Welcome to Free Your Inner Guru, the podcast for and about conscious leaders and changemakers. I'm your host, Laura Tucker. This podcast is a deep dive into personal growth, spirituality, self-help, all the things you need to connect with your inner wisdom so you can become the leader you want to see in the world. Welcome to episode 82 of Free Your Inner Guru. If you are a longtime listener and subscriber, welcome back. And if this is one of your first times listening to the podcast, I hope you'll stick around and hit that subscribe button and uh, check out the back catalog. These episodes come out two to three times a month. And there's as much as we move on to the next episode, the ones in the past are remain valid. They don't expire after a week. My goal with every episode is to bring you inspiration, education, and an opportunity to learn and grow. And this episode with Kim Chesney ticks all the boxes. Kim is a globally recognized author and innovation leader. Her new book is called Radical Intuition, A Revolutionary Guide to Using Your Inner Power. As you can hear, Radical Intuition is closely aligned with the intent behind Free Your Inner Guru, and I know you're going to love this conversation. We get right into the framework that Kim has created, and it's a framework for intuition. Um, It's our five intuitive senses and four different types of intuition. It definitely broadened out my understanding of the different ways that my intuition speaks to me. And uh, we, I ask everyday questions like, why does it speak to us in the shower or driving or washing dishes of all places um, instead of when possibly we are sitting at our desk asking for it? And, uh, and we take a dive into the role that intuition is playing and is going to continue to play an even bigger role as we move beyond the age and economy of information um, into the age of imagination, creativity, and intuition. Enjoy. Kim, welcome to Free Your Inner Guru. It's a pleasure to have you here. Hi, Laura. Thanks for having me. I just finished your book, and it's called Radical Intuition, and uh, I've got it right here. And you can tell by all the post-its that... um, Lots of post-its. That's what I like to see. (laughs) A lot of flags. And, uh, and so my, my, I really want it. I think you really hit the theme of this podcast on the head. And it's so fun for me just to dive into a conversation about intuition. And before we do that, um, let's take a few minutes to set the stage. And I want to playfully ask you, you know, how did you arrive at this body of work? Like, did you come out of the womb fully connected (laughs) to your intuition? Or is this something that you were guided to? And, uh, and you can tell I'm being a bit facetious. Um, I would be suspicious if you said yes, that's how it happened. Um, (laughs) but, um, But yeah, so how in your, either in your life journey or your professional journey, how did you arrive at like, this is the book that needs to be written by me now. Yeah, yeah. And I really do feel like in a lot of ways, this is the culmination of my life's work. Um, you know, I wrote my first intuition book 15 years ago, but I I really have spent the last 15 years pushing the envelope, wanting to go deeper, wanting to really explore intuition as a natural part of our human design. 
uh, kind of shifting out of the woo space and really helping people to understand that this is how we're made. This is what we're meant to use our intuition. We just haven't been. We haven't been taught to use it. We haven't been taught that it's actually a real thing, as I'm sure you know when you're talking with people. Um, for my personal journey is, you know, I was born, I think, with a very open intuition, as many, many people are. Every single person has intuition. Some people are just born a little more open to it than others, just like any other talent or creative thing. Like some people can just naturally paint or do art or make music, um, but everyone can learn it. Um, so when I was young, I had a lot of intuitive experiences that I couldn't explain that really sort of started to snowball over the course of my life. And by the time I was in my 20s, I really felt a strong calling to understand it and to make sense of it because I wasn't, you know, I, I the the world that I was living in didn't have room for intuition. It didn't explain it. Everyone said, oh, this is crazy, or this is just something like spooky or scary. And, and I was like, no, this can't be. This, this can't be it. There has to be an explanation. There has to be a, a, a practical, normal way to understand what's happening to me. And I know many other people. And back then there wasn't the internet. So you know, to get this kind of information, it was harder. Now we're so fortunate that, you know, when you have these experiences, you can go out there and connect with people wherever you are all over the world and, and, and really gain insight of, and, and share together. So it set me on this sort of lifelong journey to understand intuition that culminated in radical intuition, uh, which also, you know, really was a culmination of my career in technology. I ended up as an artist, somehow in technology and really, really working internationally with some of the biggest tech companies in the world and starting to hear them talk about intuition. So when that happened, I realized that, you know, intuition was a conversation that was so much bigger than, uh, than we had allowed in the past. People, you know, we think it's just something for tarot cards and crystal balls and meditating, but it's very sacred. It's at the core of our being, but it's also very practical. And that sacredness wants to flow out into the world and bring change and guidance and wisdom to everybody. So I really focused on this book on that next level, level sort of normalization of intuition. I'm curious for context, um, especially since I spent a period of of my career after I left teaching, I went to work for a technology company and it could very much be because it was a, a company that solely and strictly served the automotive industry. So it was a big company, mm. but also very niche in that way. But what is the context for intuition being spoken of in the, in the tech circles? Oh, such a good question. Such a good question. Because when I started working in tech, I was an artist originally. And I got a degree in oil paintings, very practical from college, you know, uh, and I, I segued in through graphic design and, and I was doing art direction for a magazine, part of a technology um, council. So I started working with all these different tech companies. At first, I thought it was so boring. I was like, oh, technology, you know, like boring, not creative, none of the stuff that I loved. And then um, I, life sort of opened up for me and I, and I created something. I had this idea to create something for creative technology, which were people think of gamers, programmers, designers, people who were working, like even like Apple is creative technology company, people who were, um, creating apps, so many different things, right? So I wanted to create a support system for creative technology because that sort of blended my worlds. And that just went crazy. Like the idea was, this was about 10 years ago. And this idea was so huge that, you know, I was invited all over the world to speak about this. Wow. And this is where I'm sitting down with companies, you know, 
like Uber, companies that are actually out there doing really creative, innovative things. And we realized, uh, we did a number of studies. I worked with Carnegie Mellon University. I had, you know, over almost a almost a million dollars in grants over the course of those 10 years to, to do this research, working with Richard Florida's group to understand the creative economy and how that relates as applied intuition as a complement to really uh, create the sense of innovation that's important for all technology. So what you find is the best companies, the most successful companies, most innovative companies are using this intuitive sense of knowing and creativity and inspiration to lead the way. So intuition is a core element, as I'm sure you know, of leadership, right? If we're not using our intuition, we're probably following someone else. We're emulating what someone else has done. We're we're following a path that someone else has already blazed. But when we tune into our intuition and we live by that inner inspiration, we start to blaze our own trails. We start to create new products, things that people could have never imagined. We're tapped into that intuitive center that allows us to lead the pack and innovate and create these really amazing and powerful things that no one had ever thought of before. So intuition is at the core of innovation and all of the stuff is the holy grail of, of companies and startups all around the world. You know, it takes me back, but I get, and it may be the um, prototypical technology example, but when you think of when Apple released the iPod and people looked at it and went, what is that? Yes. That will never work. But then when you put it in their hands, well, we all, the world knows what happened, right? Like it, it yeah. changed really everything, you know, let alone the content yeah. distribution model that came behind it. But that little mm-hmm. thing with a round button and a dial mm-hmm. that no one had ever seen before. Yep. Absolutely. That's exactly what I'm talking about. And Steve Jobs is one of the biggest advocates for intuition out there. There's look up intuition of Steve Jobs. There's probably like a hundred quotes. He talks about intuition all the time. So he got it. He understood how important it was in this process of creativity and innovation and design. Yeah. So, okay. So thank you for all of that. And I feel like that does a really nice job of positioning the practical application of intuition. And, but to talk about intuition, we have to get into the intangible side of things. And because this is our first conversation, and I just, as I said, just finished reading the book that you, that you've written, I pulled out some, some words and I wanted to, I've never done this before on the podcast, but I almost feel like, okay, if we can address some of the meanings of these ideas or words, because I think they mean different things to different people, especially right now. And, um, and I'll, I'll tell you what they are. This is now like a freaking quit game show, but I'll tell you what they are. And then we can decide where to, where to go with it. And, uh, and they were their, their truth, sovereignty, quantum mm. and metaphor. And I, I think they're all important in talking about intuition, but I also see these words being used and maybe even abused and having all kinds of different meanings across a very large and multi-layered spectrum. So, you know, so Free Your Inner Guru, a, a book about intuition. We are, we both use the, the, the language of following your truth. And then there becomes some kind of question about, all right, what is your truth versus the truth and factual truth? So where do you see intuition living on kind of a continuum of of truth or in a world of truth or seeking truth? 
Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think intuition is truth. I think it is um, synonymous with truth. And, you know, that's why people ask me like, oh, what happens when your intuition is wrong? Like, oh, I did this and my intuition was wrong. I was like, your intuition cannot be wrong. It is impossible for your intuition to be wrong because intuition is your connection to truth. It is, it is the veil that's lifted. It is the wisdom beyond all wisdom. So what happens as our intuition, when it comes to us, when we receive it, it's never wrong. However, we can very often be wrong about whether or not we're actually listening to our intuition because that's the tricky part is Mm -hmm. understanding the difference between a real solid intuition and our wants and our fears and our critical mind and all of these other things. So there's not just one voice in our head. Yeah, we want to listen to our inner voice, but we want to listen to the right inner voice. And that's what's so key. So this connection to truth is so important. Because not only is it a universal connection that we all have to something that brings us together and unites us under a commonality of information, but it's also our own unique truth, what we're made for, what we're designed for, what we're best able to serve in the world, right? So so when we say live your truth, own your truth, that means what's true for me, right? For This is my path. This is my destiny. This is what I can do to make the world a better place and to stand by that and to stand by what I know. So this connection of intuition is really, I I look at as this really straight up connection to truth and our ability to see beyond the illusions and falsehoods of life. I think you've made me think, and I was thinking about reflecting on this um, very critical and somewhat notorious moment in my life where I didn't listen to my Mm. inner inner intuition and uh, Mm -hmm. I voiced it. But but I deferred to the people in charge or the person in charge. Mm. And the mm. consequence was, was quite possibly uh, a, woman, a woman dying. And oh I, gosh. yeah, it's, it's pretty extreme. And a lot of the listeners will know about, will know about it. So, but but it, it is an exaggerated, almost metaphorical example of what, can go wrong in a very real way when your connection isn't quite there. Despite having survived, I thought I just got it wrong and 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 took it on for me. And and over time, what I learned was that I didn't have any control in that situation. Despite the fact that I felt I did, I wasn't as sovereign, which is one of the next things that I just want to address before we dive into the four intuitions. But how I interpreted that event for the first, let's say, six or seven years, um, it took me a long time to come around to um, maybe it wasn't there to show me what was wrong in me. It was there to show me what was wrong about a, a situation and a model and, and it turned out this guru model of one person holding the truth and mm-hmm. away or as an exclusive thing from others. So let's go into sovereignty and, and the role that, um, so there's sovereignty, self-sovereign. Um, I, I, when I started using, there's a word I was very uncomfortable using at first to describe what free your inner guru is about and and then it's also kind of been co-opted into some movements of late. So let's yeah. talk about how your inner truth ultimately makes you more sovereign and illuminates the way. 
Yeah. And so first of all, let me just say that I, I love um, what you've what you've just pointed out about um, use the idea that the, that the guru is within us and that there's not one central person who has access to it. It's just going to lead us all because I think that's one of the lies that's been perpetuated on humanity um, is, is really this idea that only certain people have access to this and the rest of us have to just listen to them. And, and in the, in the meantime, convincing us that any intuitions that we have are false or unreal or our imagination. And it's, and it's really done a number on the way that we understand ourselves because the fact is that we're all intuitive and that we've been taught to ex- to think that that intuition isn't important if it exists at all so so for me that's almost it's it's almost criminal at the heart of things because there's really nothing more important than our intuition there's nothing more important than listening to that voice because it does give us our sovereignty. We don't have to rely on someone else's approval or someone else buying into something. We know it. We know it within us. And that's the way we were meant to live, to live by that knowing feeling within us, that wisdom that we're able to draw out from our heart and from our inner spirit. And just looking at that in a, in a way that doesn't have to be religious. It doesn't even have to be spiritual. It can be completely practical. This can be applied to any religion, any philosophy, any way of understanding the world is knowing that you just have another side of your thinking. We're, we have an intellectual side, a very smart, rational side, but we also have an intuitive, creative side that's not just for you know painting pictures and making music. It's about our passions and intuitively following our callings and our knowings and, and tapping into that inner genius. So that's where this comes in, is this touch to genius. And when you hear Einstein talk about intuition, you'll get it. He's the biggest genius in the world. And all he did was talk about Einstein, uh, intuition. Another really brilliant person that was able to balance out the rational thinking mind with the intuitive mind. And when you do that, that's when we step into our real power. That's where we own our place and our own what we do in this world. And that's how we get the sense of sovereignty because we're no longer reliant on the input from the outside world or the conditioning from the outside world. We're not bound by that anymore. We're free from it. So we'll free our inner guru. <laughs> yeah. And and implied in that and or, or what's coming in for me there is that we have that, that way of being more discerning or more in touch with what's what's true or right for us and so now now all of the information coming in from the outside is is more or less at our disposal and and you're able to use it more judiciously exactly so given that you were okay so I started to tingle while you were speaking which is usually a very uh, good sign or always a very, that particular tingle is (laughs) a very good sign. And so I'm going to allow it to be the opening into our, our five intuitive senses. And, uh, and one of the things that I particularly enjoyed about this book is, is I think, you know, as I'm, I'm writing, I'm writing a memoir right now and structuring a memoir is like just mind numbing at times but the, at, and so now I'm appreciating structure in books even more. So the framework that you've laid out, just to give listeners uh, a preview, is um, I want to go through the five intuitive senses. And up until now, I would have seen intuition as this, and experienced intuition as this singular amorphous thing that drops in very regularly. I've done a lot of work. Um, given in particular that experience I described 
to understand this for myself. But the way that you've laid out the four different uh, intuitions and how we all have affinities for each one, um, you know, it, I, I want to go there with you because I, I think it's mm. so empowering and, and uh, I can really be of great value to, well, selfishly again for me, but for, for people who are listening, but let's start with the body tingling and the five intuitive senses. So I would have previously framed that as, oh, there's my intuition speaking to me. Yes. Yes. And I'm so glad that we're going to jump into this because one of the reasons I wrote Radical Intuition was because so many people experience intuition differently. I realized early on when talking with folks about the book and even from my last book, that when you talk about intuition, everybody has a different idea of what it is. Some people say it's a feeling, some people say it's a knowing or a creative idea or a way of uh, having a metaphysical experience. So, so there was all these different things out there. So I, I created this concept of the four intuitions, which was really just a framework for understanding the pathways that intuition speaks to each of us. And these four pathways are the very simple age-old pathways of body, mind, heart, and spirit. Our intuition speaks to us from the inside the same way the outside world speaks to us from beyond. So we use our bodies, to, only we get our senses from the inside instead of the outside. We use our minds. Instead of responding to stimulus from the outside, we respond to prompts, nudges from the inside, right? So the same with our heart. Our heart, where intuition moves us and is in, and, and draws us in and, and ultimately our, our spirit. So um, starting with the intuition of the body, which is what you talked about, right now with these tingles, right? You get these tingles or physical sensations or gut feelings, right? So the body is talking to us with our intuition every day. And many people don't realize it. See, the thing about intuition is most of us have been using it intuitively. We're not conscious of what what it actually is when it's coming. We're not aware of it. It just kind of pops in and we're like, oh yeah, I'll listen to that, right? So so if, if we have a little bit of intuitive awakening, we recognize that it's happening and we learn to follow it. But the more that we start to focus on it and actually understand how it's working, and there actually is a system, it's not random, it's not out of the blue completely. I mean, it is spontaneous, but there's a method to the madness with intuition that if you really look closely, you can see it. You know, it's like science. Some things you look out there in nature and everything seems like it's disorderly. But when you look down, there's these patterns and these structures and intuition is no different. So when you understand there is some structure to it and it can be repeated. It can be learned, right? So all of these things will show us that intuition is actually a lot more controllable than, we, than we've realized throughout history. So we don't just have to like sit back and hope it's going to come in a flash someday. You know, there's things we can do to open up and, and create an environment where it can speak to us all the time, every day, and that we're, we're living with it, our nature all the time with us. So the chills, the tingles, that's the first step. That's the first step of connecting your body with your intuition. And that's where intuition actually becomes real in the world. So um, when you were going over the intuitive senses, and like we have, and I really hope I could rhyme off all five senses right now. Um, that's a lot of pressure. But... <laughs> I'm, I'm j- kind of joking, but we have the, our, our five physical senses and right. being, so we're talking right? about the meta senses. Is that what you want to talk about? Yeah. Well, I want to talk about how the, how the five senses relate, I guess. Yes, it is meta senses. There's a bit of a, a, um, a, a language around it that I might not be fluent on. Um, mm-hmm. but also how that also relates and to, to dream state. I found that very interesting. Mm-hmm like the dream oh, yeah. state as evidence that these five intuitive senses or I guess meta senses 
exist. Yeah. So when we're talking about in the intuition of the body, we can break that down uh, even further into the, the, the five senses, which are, you know, that's just this five senses. We're using them all the time. But then the five meta senses are really the intuitive senses that are that work the exact same way. And we've all experienced them through dreams. So think about a time when you're dreaming and you know, you can see in your dreams, right? You can hear things in your dreams. You might even be able to touch something or smell something in a dream. So these things aren't real. They aren't actual things that are touching our senses from the outside world. They're things that are we're, are, we're creating from within. So that's one of the, the most profound examples that I think people uh, can use to understand that these things are actually real and it, it, it works this way. So, so these things also happen when you're awake. You don't have to be asleep. You hear you know stories of people, oh my gosh, I just heard a voice call something out out of nowhere, but there was nothing there. Well, it's possible that this has, has generated from an intuitive place and has, has received in your intuitive ears. So uh, there's so much to unpack around that. And if, if you're from the psychic world and that traditionally people have called it the clairs, the five clairs, clairvoyance, clairaudience. Um, so, so, so it's very similar to that. Um, I, like, I don't use that language because I really want to, you know, kind of make this uh, really clear that this is something that's not necessarily unreal or, or fringe, right? That this is, again, the meta senses are just our higher senses. It's just like our physical senses only. It's just a higher sense. Um, so yeah, so there's a lot of ways that that can manifest in our life. So I wrote down here um, and, and, uh, and I can frame it as a question because this happens to me all the time and you mention it in the book. Why do our intuitions come to us while we're in the shower? Mm. Inconveniently where it's not. And I know people who have waterproof pads, you know, kind of stuck up in their showers. I love that. Um, I have to run in here someday. I did this morning because I had something for my daily letter. I was like, oh, I got I am getting this one down. Right. It actually, it happened to me this morning too. I had this idea and I was like, oh my God, and I just kept saying it in my head over and over again. So I didn't forget while I got out, I was in the, I took a bath this morning. I was like in the middle of this beautiful, luxurious bath. And I'm so at peace. And I had this idea and I was like, oh, I don't want to get out right now, but <laughs> I know exactly <laughs> what you mean. And there's, it's a very simple answer. And the answer is because that's when you're quiet. That's when your mind is tuned out. So you're, whether you're driving the car, whether you're in the shower, whether you're going for a walk, whether you're you know riding your bike. It's because you've created a space between your busy, busy, busy thoughts. And finally, that intuitive idea got to pop in. So that, that intuition is there all the time. It's waiting to come down. It wants to nudge. It wants to guide you. It wants to come through. It really it wants to come through so badly. But the problem is we've got a wall of static between us and our intuition. It's called technology. It's called a busy schedule. It's called run around like crazy people. So the, as more active we are, it's directly in proportional. The more active we are, the less we hear our intuition. So the first thing I always tell people to do when they, they come to me and they say, how do I start listening to intuition? First thing I say is to slow down, slow down, spend more time alone. Even if it's just 15, 20 minutes a day in the shower, be conscious of that time, that this is a time for you with your intuition to be open to ideas, set an intention, right? So, so slowing down and creating that space is a vital first step as we start to open up our intuition and work with it and create this sort of lifestyle of insightfulness. It, it occurs to me that when I'm, I'm just thinking of other times where it comes in and it's always either 
you know, there's something rhythmic. Um, it's one mm-hmm. of the reasons that I am hopeful that I can start running again. Um, when the spring comes, I'm in Toronto, so I have real winter here, but oh, you know, I used to live in Toronto. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned Richard Florida earlier and I think he's from here. Yeah, so I work I'm, with the university of Toronto on my studies. Yeah. Oh, there you go. So, um, yeah, so that's a neat connection. Um, yeah. but I used to, I used to run half marathons during a very stressful time in my life where my husband and I owned a gym. I was a, a full-time parent to a, a teenager, who, my stepson, and um, just so much was going on. It was in the aftermath of, of that big trauma. And it was when I was able to run, it, it felt like, and I did sit to meditate as much as I could, but, but it was too busy for the meditation to bear fruit in that way. And it was always while I was running and like the, the rhythm and something about the pounding and the groundedness of that. Well, physical activity is also, again, we're still talking about this intuition of the body. Physical Mm -hmm. activity is such a great way to energize that intuitive connection. In, In my school intuition lab, I always have my students start off our programs by creating a physical routine, whether, you know, whether it's something as simple as Qigong or, or yoga or running or going for a walk, something to move, getting up and moving your body. It helps to unblock all that stuff. Cause when we're blocked and we're tense, we're sitting over our computer or we're, we have all this kind of energy stored up in us. That's actually a block to our intuition too, because our intuition wants to have a clear energy flow. Intuition flows on energy pathways, just like everything else out there in the universe, there's energy involved. So So we want to have our bodies relaxed and energized and open and in this high vibration state so that we're able to to open the space for that intuitive connection. So it makes perfect sense running and getting out there. You're you're lifting up your vibe. You're putting all that energy into it. So you're getting into that place where it's much easier to connect with your intuition. So in, uh, in radical intuition, you, you have a, it's, I guess, another framework or it is the framework of, the four types of uh, in the four intuitions, the healer, mm-hmm. which is the physical sage, mm-hmm. visionary, and mystic. Could I mm-hmm. kind of hand it over for you to lead through uh, a description mm-hmm. of all four or really just to talk about it, say all the things you always wish you had time to say <laughs> about yeah, them? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, like I love these, talking they're about like this. Ar- so- they are archetypes. They seem like arch- almost like archetypes, archetypes yeah. to me, mm-hmm. which means they appeal across thought and age and time. Yes. Yeah. And I really, uh, you know, I love the idea of associating archetypes with them because again, I wanted people to start to understand the, the, the four basic components of intuition and how it communicates with us and connects with us. And, and I really grounded it in Carl Jung's work. Uh, if you're familiar with his four cognitive functions, if you've ever done Myers-Briggs, it's all based on that. And he really built all of that on those same four elements of body, mind, heart, and spirit. It's that same thing that we see throughout history over and over again, and it really applies to intuition. So creating an archetype for each of those four elements and those four pathways of intuition was one of the things that makes this book unique, Um, really understanding intuition in a new way and reimagining it in a real no-nonsense way as as simply different ways that the beyond the higher, the information that's out there in the world and the universe can actually interface with us. So um, the first uh, archetype is the healer. As you mentioned, that is, that's the intuition of the body. 
right? That's all the things we were just talking about. And it's the healer archetype because people who are naturally attuned to their bodies, you know, they heal themselves. They, they are, they are attuned to their own well-being, what their body needs, how to move, what kind of exercise, what to eat, how to use these senses to, you know, to touch in to intuitive information and gut feelings. And then ultimately people who, who are so proficient at this naturally find themselves in professions or hobbies that make them a healer. You see doctors, you see holistic practitioners, you see, um, you know, yoga teachers, massage therapists, all of these people, even like bodybuilders, people who are really good with their body have this connection to knowing what it intuitively needs. So, so that's how this became the archetype of the healer. The second archetype is the, is the sage, right? And this is someone who's who has this pathway of intuition through the mind that's very open. So if you're if you're if it's really easy for you to make decisions with your intuition to just sense say you you meet someone for the first time and you just have a knack for instantly, you know, discerning if if they're a good person for you to be with or not be with, right? Even if you don't have all the information, you just are really good with those first impressions. You can make decisions really easily because you just have that knowing feeling inside. So someone who's really a sage is a wise one connected with their inner wisdom, connected with, um, with their inner guidance. People who are natural sages often find themselves being counselors, teachers, uh, all, all guides of all sorts for other people to help share wisdom and help guide people to their best path. Um, yeah, and that's the intuition of the mind. So it flows through our cognitive faculties when it comes to decision making and choosing and guiding other people. I'll chime in on on that one. It's also people who can, like, and going back to the clairs, like the clairvoyance. I'm not clairvoyant, but I can often or almost always see how things are going to turn out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, and so and then this this feeling of why can't everybody else see how you know? And but it's right. I'm framing it with visual language, but it is this this mental no. knowing. Yep. Yeah. And that's really part of it. It's that knowing sometimes you just know things and that that's one of the hallmarks of intuition is when you know something that you just shouldn't be able to know. And someone says, how do you know that? You're like, I don't know. I don't have any reasons to back it up. I just know it. I can't explain it, but I just know it. And that's, that unfortunately gets us in this place with partners and friends and relationships. There are people like, that's crazy. Like you're nuts. I can't, like, I don't like, doesn't make it. You're being crazy. You know, how many times you, oh, there's something wrong with that guy. I don't know what it is, but there's something wrong with him. And it was like, you're crazy. He's really nice. And then he's like a serial killer or something. Right. So, So intuition knows everything. That's the thing. I always talk about, you know, it being this connection to, really the cloud of information that's all around us. The reality we live in is information. It's like a simulation. It's made up of data and information that our intuition is our interface with that data. So through our intuition, we have access to that information beyond space, beyond time. We can touch and know things that have happened in the past, happened in the future, happening right now. There's no boundaries for our intuition. And our rational little thinking mind thinks that's crazy because you know it can't do that. But there's a part of our mind, a higher part of our mind that has the ability to know these things. And that's, I mean, my first journey on this, one of the things that set me on this journey is I had a a psychic tell me something when I was a kid that was going to happen in 1994. And this was in like 1991. And it happened. And it was like something really specific. And she gave me a date and it happened on this date. And there was literally no way she she could. I mean, this was, she was someone who lived in England and I was in America. And it was, 
it was, there was no way it made no sense. I didn't even know her and there was no internet back then. And so there was all these things I said, okay, people, what my deduction from that is people can know the future. There was no other explanation. I, from personal experience, I realized it is possible to know the future. So I'm like, I want to understand how that's possible. And it's possible through mindful intuition and the kind of thing that you're just talking about, because we're able to know things, we're able to see things and sense things that haven't yet happened yet, or that have happened in places that aren't in any way connected to us just by plugging in to that sort of collective super consciousness or higher consciousness that unites us all. I want to, I'm going to make a note to come back to that collective super conscious. (laughs) (laughs) You may hear me typing in a moment, Um, but let's continue (laughs) down the the path through um, to the, the visionary and the mystic. Yes. So, so the visionary archetype is the archetype that's associated with the heart. And this is how intuition flows through our hearts and moves us and guides us and inspires us. And and this is, this is the intuition of creativity and innovation and ingenuity and, and growth and all of these wonderful elements of transformation that as a species, we need to move forward and evolve. Uh, So in terms of the heart, it's not sort of our small heart. It's not about romance so much or, or our personal feelings. It's more about being moved. And and when we fall in love, we're moved, right? So we're moved to grow and connect with another human being. So it's really about this motion of our heart that's drawing us out to, to get out of our comfort zone and become something more and serve bigger and help other people. So it's a wonderful, wonderful, um, exciting uh, archetype. And people like Steve Jobs would be a a visionary. People who, um, even someone like Oprah, who's out there just doing new things and bringing people together and and making change in a really profound way. Uh, So that's sort of the the artist, the visionary, the leader, uh, the creator is, is sort of what we deal with, with this archetype. And, and I think you've, you touched on this earlier, Um, but this is, or it may have been in the book, but this actually dovetails beautifully because the last, not too long ago, I released an interview with Seth Godin after. I did see that. Yeah. After being in his creatives workshop for the better part, well, most of 2020 and Mm. the, that the focus on creativity and self-awareness as skills that you can develop from a very highly practical, non-mystical, although right. I have my opinions about that, but um, <laughs> in a, <laughs> um, the, 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 where the kind of the rubber meets the road and it starts to come into form is, mm-hmm. is my way of, of summarizing that whole Absolutely. experience. Absolutely. Yeah. And I love Seth's work. I, I mean, I think that he's a real trailblazer in this, this space of business and creativity. And, you know, I've really, I really consider him as one of the real important voices of our generation in that regard. So it's really cool. You got to interview him. Yeah, it, it, it was. In fact, I want, I'd love to have him come back in because since recording that he's released the book that came out of that workshop, The Practice which when I saw that was the name of it, I was like, yeah, this is amazing because so much of what our intuition and freeing your inner guru and living that more peaceful connected life relies on practices. So here you have it coming from a completely unexpected or just different discipline into, you know, it'll, it'll shift culture. But I heard him say, 
that the book is definitely stirring things up and ruffling some feathers. And, and I was oh, like, great. I didn't yeah, know that. I want to know think, more about that. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we, our book released at the same time. We were on a, we were on a book, uh, a re- book review and, and success magazine together. And I was really excited. I was like, yeah. So, so was, oh, I was like, that up. I'll find it and I'm I'll post sure it in the show the notes. So, okay. Yeah, so we I'm can see. Sure. Ah, Zoom is being a bit tricky with us. So just bear with us here as we go through. And I'll, I'll click off my camera if uh, if it stays bumpy. Um, so okay. what a, a great way to bring a, like a creative visionary into the conversation. And, and so we've got like the healer and the body um, wisdom. We've got the sage with that mindful knowing. We've got the creative um, visionary where is, is the ultimate, you know, active creation is, is birthing a new thing. And mm-hmm. then there's the fourth, the the mystic of the transcendental intuition. Yeah, that's this is where things get really interesting, and um, this is sort of the last stop for intuition. So all of the things it starts with physical intuition, which is really the most grounded form of intuition. It's where it's real. It's where we experience it visceral, viscerally, and it's really connected to our experience on the earth plane here and in this dimension or whatever we want to call it. So this is the that's the reality, and gradually we go through these other uh, sort of archetypes of knowing and feeling and arrive here at the spirit, which is the other end of the spectrum where intuition is really at its most profound. This is where we see the limits of what we really know and understand from this reality and really go beyond it. So our intuition can take us to places beyond the limits of the mind. And this is where we experience those supernatural experiences or those feelings of connection with God and life and the universe and enlightenment and all of these beautiful things that you hear when we unite ourselves intuitively with, with that, which is above and beyond. Um, so ultimately Paramahansa Yogananda said that intuition is the soul's power of knowing God. And that's really the slogan for this type of intuition. It's about our higher connection, our connection with our source, our, our creator, our the, the core of whatever you believe, whatever word that you use uh, that really defines our life beyond this world and beyond this moment in time. So through this type of transcendental intuition or, or this intuition that helps us to rise above the dense layers of our human experience, we're able to know a little bit about the universe, about life beyond uh, this small place and, and experience things intuitively that people think are impossible. Think is the key word, are impossible. But when you've experienced them, they're no longer impossible. And I and, and this can tie into one of our, our buzzwords that we were talking about earlier, quantum, because now this is also the area where we start to move into a quantum experience of life and a connectedness that is beyond the sort of ups and downs of our Newtonian world and our Newtonian way of thinking, and really go into that mystery of how unexpected uh, things happen when you follow your intuition and you have entanglement with things that should not be able to be entangled. And and all of the stuff that Einstein set in motion is really giving us a new context to have a discussion about intuition in a very normal way, in a way that actually makes sense scientifically, 
Because 200 years ago, we couldn't have a conversation like this about intuition because the quantum realities that we know of now were, were non-existent. They didn't, we didn't understand them at all. So everything about intuition just seemed scary and strange and impossible. But now we're starting to realize that these outer dimensions are real. And this, these, these mysterious ways of, of interacting with each other, they're actually real and scientific. So, so it's a real meeting of, of the future and the beyond, and all of the things that's wrapped up in our human potential. Uh, thank you for taking it to the that quantum reference um, so organically, because it is something like um, it's it's a word that, and, and just so everyone knows, uh, in case I sound a little, I don't want to sound cynical, but I have ordered up, and it's been years since I've read any books on quantum physics, and and I have a, a couple waiting for me. Not sure how that's going to manifest on the on the podcast, but or if it will. But it's time for me to to stop. I I, I look at a lot of what I see out there in this you know self help, personal growth, enlightenment industry, and often see or or think that the word quantum is misapplied um, so much in the in the marketing and 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 it's a real shame. Um, but there is an actual thing as the quantum universe. Mm -hmm. I'm not that knowledgeable about it, but one of the things that you've written and maybe they're, they're connected and maybe they're not, but it really grabbed my attention. It was intuition is the product of a universe that cares about us. Mm. Mm. How does that relate? You know, as yes. soon as we start talking about a universe and and assigning it a, a characteristic um, like that cares. Mm. Help help me uh, help us to make sense of that. Yeah, yeah, and that's really one of the core gifts of of intuition. Once you start to really work with it and go deeper into it, is you realize that everything is meaningful, and you know whether it's we're talking about synchronicity or. Um, or you know, serendipity or all of these different things that that show up in life from the outside world that seem seem coincidental. Uh, what you start to find out, even if you're talking about the law of attraction, right? You're, you, that we have this power. There's so much within us that we didn't realize was so personal and so personally connected with us. And that there's really a system inbuilt within us. Its entire job is to support us and to help us grow. That's what intuition's job is. You know, the mind, I guess, I'm not quite sure what the mind's job is. You know, I guess it's just to help us to go out into the world and do something in it and, and make the world better in, in, a, in a sort of mind-based way. But intuition's sole job is to help us to fulfill our potential and make ourselves in the world better and to lead us to that connection of truth within us that will last beyond that experience, right? It's so that we become higher, we become uplifted, uh, it, it, its entire job is to support us. So you live in a meaningful universe. There is no coincidence. If something bad happens, there's a meaning behind it. Something good happens. There's a meaning behind it. There's something to be learned every step of the way. And that in all of this, as you're going through this, this wheel of life, the ups and the downs, the growth and the, the moments of stagnation and all of this, all of this craziness is all part of our journey of of transformation and evolution that is supported by our inner guidance and our, our inner wisdom. And, and you, you use the word evolution there 
And one of the things that I remind myself of when I'm looking at some of these more esoteric principles is that every single thing, whether, whether we, um, whether we believe in whatever type of God or higher power or not, we believe in, or whether we are more, you know, bent towards scientific fact or intuitive awareness, every single thing that's in us has evolved to be there to service in, in, in some way. It wouldn't be there if it wasn't a part of the ongoing evolution and survival of the, the species. Absolutely. So that is actually a pretty big statement to look at because we've kind of exhausted a lot of our other capabilities and, mm-hmm. and, look, at this, mm-hmm. and look at the state of the world, right? The systems that have been built that we've watched crumble the last, arguably, way more than the last year, but all at once, mm-hmm. all together, <laughs> um, you know, and, and that's where it starts to become, um, I spend a lot of time, um, I did your, I did your quiz. I hardly oh, ever cool. do the quizzes, but I was like, oh yeah, I'm doing this quiz. <laughs> and, you do? Um, so I was in that like 33 and 34 on two of them and what super high, on the the visionary and sage I was yeah I could totally see that you're as I was wondering because creative people and people that really get the visionary I was wondering if that translated that's great yeah I would I would guess that one for sure it did and and I've had and I've spent time in the mystical and and because and this is the baggage I carry with me the the thing to 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 ongoing heal because the of the terrible event that came out of mystical exploration that's where this mm. sort of veil of caution. And I think it's a, mm. it's, it's, it's a, a form of caution and wisdom <laughs> go together <laughs> um, in some cases, but, um, but yeah, it was very interesting and I highly recommend, and I think you mentioned that you've got it online as well, or as part of the the book guide mm. where you can see, and, and then it got me thinking and seeing that all the focus in recent years say on self-care it's really like, and self-care is incredibly um, important and to uphold our physical bodies and the state of our minds. But when you start looking at it, oh, this is a building block for strengthening your intuition. That's the real reason mm-hmm. that you Absolutely. want to be doing these things is to be able Absolutely. to stay connected to that wisdom, not for the sake yeah. of the self-care itself. Yeah, I love that. I think that's a really great point because I do think that that, and I think the same thing is, I was just talking about this with my husband yesterday. The same thing is true of the arts and things like poetry and, and painting and stuff like that, because it slows us down and makes us present. And I think self-care is, is right in there with, with that, that list of things that are just naturally designed to reconnect us with our intuition without us saying, I have to go and reconnect with my intuition now. Because we're built to do this naturally, right? We, you, you don't have to read a book on it. But helping reading a book on it helps you to understand something that is, is such a mystery to so many of us because we've, we've forgotten to pass this tradition on to our children as, as we should have been doing for centuries and centuries and should, should be a knowing that's part of our culture. Um, but I love that. And I also want to jump back on what you said earlier about, you know, something, you know, negative coming out of mystical exploration. And that is something that needs to be part of the conversation because 
you know, it is a power. There's tremendous power in intuition. And if we aren't centered on ourself, and if we aren't, if we don't have our minds in the right place, or if we get caught up in other people's stuff, you know, it's easy to get tangled up in things that we don't understand. So, you know, and I personally have dealt with these things myself too. I'm speaking from experience. So, and I think that's part of the mystic's journey is understanding that, is understanding that it's very real and and the mystical, it's not just all rainbows and unicorns, just like this planet isn't rainbows and unicorns. You walk down the street, you know, you're going to see some nice things. You're going to see some not so nice things. It's a big universe and that there's the same thing happening on an energetic level. So it's so important when you're working with your intuition to, to stay connected to yourself and be in that high vibration place and to really constantly um, be reaffirming that connection with the best and the highest truth within us and, and to, to set that intention whenever we're going in or whenever we're working with anyone. And if anything doesn't feel right or feels a little bit off or there's any fear around it, it's okay to step away from it because, you know, there's a lot for us to go. We just have to stick with ourselves and be true to ourselves. Yeah. And pay attention to, and, and, and what I, what I relate to is, is paying attention to the the subtle signs and that every, Mm -hmm. everything counts. So in, in my instance, and this is part of what I'm working through writing my memoir in my instance, uh, before the, the critical event, there were certain signs that things, things were a little bit off here and there. And I, I wrote them off to either, well, that's just how things are here. And, Mm -hmm. and by here, you know, it was like California, Hollywood adjacent. Um, Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. you know, this is what happens when fame Mm -hmm. or some form of, um, you know, introduced celebrity or rapid rise to celebrity there's, there's distortion that happens. And so I was mm-hmm. willing for the, the sake of growth, because I have such a high value of growth and the sake of my own experience to not consciously look away, but to rational, like the rational mind comes in and goes, well, you know, right. that's just here, there. And, and we talk yeah. ourselves out of our intuition and and it doesn't have to be a life and death situation. We can do it in the grocery store. We can do it when we buy a pair of shoes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And better to practice on something small. I'm just here to say. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and that's where the other word metaphor comes in. So when we do these practices on something small, and in the book, there's so many exercises and practices that you can do little things. It's all a metaphor for when those big things come along, then you're prepared. You know, it's like going out there doing this, this basic training. So I know how to recognize an intuition when I'm doing this little thing so that when some big situation comes up and I have that same feeling, I'm like, oh, that's my intuition. And I'm going to be able to trust it and follow it instead of doing that rationalization. Because I mean, all of the stuff we're even we're seeing, even the talk about even the Me Too movement. Now, how many people, people knew stuff was going on. People let their minds say, oh no, this really important, cool person would is is cool. They'd never do anything like that. You know, there's so many things we all get into that zeitgeist of you letting our minds overrule the fact that we have an intuition that something's not right. So I've heard people time and time again talking about that and in so many contexts uh, that we know that there's there's something wrong, but we don't stand up and we don't call it out because we're not sure of ourselves and we don't have a way to be sure of our intuition. So that's one of the ways when we talk about living our truth, that intuition is so important because when we trust our intuition, we're like, no, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to stand for something when it's wrong. 
long. And that's what's really, really important right now at this moment. So many of us have been unconsciously supporting um, even social justice issues that have been wrong or whether we're unconscious of it or whether we just haven't listened to our intuition, but we have to really put it in our heart and say, no, this does not feel right. And we have to live by that. We can't let our mind say, well, everyone else is doing it, right? So I'm just going to buy into all this stuff. It's really core to what we're going through at this moment in time in our world. Yeah. And and as you see the, that, I think what's happening and even looking at, um, I, yeah, I'm going to go there. Um, even looking at as one of many recent, you, you laugh because you saw what I just did there, I think. <laughs> just checked in, you got a yes. Okay, got to do it, that's right? right. Yeah, but even in, in say like in the healthcare, right? Everyone is experiencing the healthcare system and the political systems crashing up against each other. And, you know, we're recording in, in January, it'll be a number of weeks before this gets released. So who even knows what the world is going to be like in, in four weeks. Um, but as you be, start to become more aware of how ingrained a lot of the systems thinking is around health, politics, gender, race, um, um, sexuality, everything, then it's like, yeah, yeah. Uh, when you see so many conflicting quote unquote truths what are you left with but your intuition? Exactly. Exactly. And that's the thing. And I, I say at the end of the day, you know, we're all connected to the same intuition. You know, we're all are plugged into that same source. We are just a beautiful uh, manifestation or creation of a million different unique expressions of that divine creative force in the universe. So celebrating those differences, honoring those differences, right? Instead of labeling them as divisions is, is so crucial, I think, in, in the way we choose to move forward as, as, as a humanity. It's really celebrating what, what makes us different. And that's one of the things that, that I found out through my study with the University of Toronto when I was working with um, the Richard Florida team up there and Carnegie Mellon University, is that one of the foundations, and we were doing this in regard to business, one of the foundations of a successful business is, is that idea of bringing together different silos of people and creating mashups and, and having that rich tapestry of, of uniqueness contributing to a common source. And that again is a metaphor for, for our lives and for what we're doing on this planet. It is our, it is the, the signature of success is this sort of diverse application and honoring of the many different unique parts of all of us and what we can each contribute in our own way. So if we broaden that and really apply it to the planet and to the way that we all work, if we're finally able to wake up enough to do that and see beyond our conditioning and the years of, you know, the, the, the infrastructure that's been imposed upon us and, and the stuff we just buy into, unconscious bias and all of that stuff, you know, hopefully with our generations now, we're growing out of that and there's going to be less of that. So we'll be more open to this rich communication of all kinds of people and, and invite those differences and celebrate those differences as something useful and something, something to create chemistry and friction that'll drive the world forward. Um, I've written something down to come back to, to later. Um, let's, let's apply this, this concept because as I'm listening to you, there's, yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree and then at the same time, it feels very fantastical, right? That mm -hmm. that this 
could we we know or I think that's exactly what needs to happen. And and yet there's there's clearly some ethical boundary between right and wrong or what's in the greater good. It's that uh, freedom and safety trade-off. There's there's just so many um disparate points of view. Um, it's going to require a a different kind of leadership than we've been accustomed to to navigate um that kind of that this it's a quagmire quite frankly like it, it just to get through <laughs> it and one of the things i i highlighted i flagged it i wanted to thank you for it because the phrase thought leader has always made me throw up in my mouth <laughs> it has you like my take you like i, I did a spin out on that a little bit yeah i'm with you i hate this idea of being a thought leader, because I don't think there should be such a thing as a thought follower is basically what it comes down to. It's all rather exactly. culty to me. <laughs> so the phrase I pulled and I, I would tattoo it um, and or put it up here. And it's the insight leader is the thought leader of tomorrow. So for Amen. people swimming outside of the, the, the sea where the word thought leader or, you know, people get introduced as thought leaders, or I've been getting some professional work done and, you know, it's involved articulating what I'm standing for. And then, and three people in the last six months have said, Oh, so you, so you're a thought leader or you want to be a thought leader. I'm like, not really, but let's <laughs> really, but okay. <laughs> let's just go with that. <laughs> And this is yeah, key, I mean, this is I key. agree. Like, it is, it is, and you know, and it kind of came to me in a very similar way because the word was so overused in my universe too, and it was just something that um, you know really we're, we're moving beyond this idea of thinking, right? Because that's we're moving out of the information age, we're moving out of the age of of thought and into the age of imagination and creativity and intuition, and so I think it was for me it felt apropos. To, to make a shift in that term. Because if you're going to be a real leader, you have to be insightful. You have to have empathy, right? And these are things that, that we haven't talked about in, in the past, in the, you know, in the old school kind of leadership model. You know, you have to have these intuitive qualities to really bring people together and make change. So, so I love this idea of the insight leader. And I love what you're saying about how, you know, there has to be a shift. There has to be role models coming out here that we can say, yeah, like this is, this is good. These people are doing the right thing and we need more of this. And I think it's going to happen. I, I, I know they're big words, you know, it's a big vision, you know, it's like the John Lennon's imagine, right? So, so it's, it's hippie stuff on some level, but on the other, on the other level, it's not just pie in the sky because there's real rubber meets the road stuff happening out there to support it. And I think that, you know, when we look at, um, the younger generations and that the way that, you know, we're, we're, they have an opportunity to be, to not have been subjected to the things that our parents and, and the, our grandparents were just growing up with as if it was normal. 
And I mean, we look back on, on our own family members and some of the things, I don't know about you, but like things that they would say when we were kids, we're like, no, you could not say that now. This is not appropriate. We don't look at the world that way anymore. We know better, right? So I think the future generations are going to know better. And it's not going to be a light bulb. It's not going to, it's not going to magically switch on in one day, but generation after generation, as we, you know, break down these systems that have created these problems, hopefully we'll keep moving forward. We'll keep evolving in the, in the right direction and won't have any setbacks like we almost saw here in America this year, which was terrifying. And, you know, really showing that all of the stuff and all the progress that we've been making, you know, for everyone, is it was it jeopardy? And, and you know, you just take for granted that we're going to keep moving forward. But, you know, now I don't take that for granted anymore. But, I, you know, I, but I put my heart and I invest in that. But And I think that generation by generation that we will get there because, you know, we are... We are fighting for the truth and the truth stands for itself. And there's, there's in the end, it's going to be the only thing left. So I think we're going to get there sooner or later. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's what it's, oh, shoot. I lost my train of thought. Mm, I wanted to say that I, I think on one hand, I, it's easier and less depressing to think about it, about we are always moving forward because over millennia, things have always moved forward. But there's an accelerated mm-hmm. timeline happening right now where yes. everything's breaking at once. And mm-hmm. I think that's a good thing. But it, my thoughts this morning, and know that your book is now intertwined with those thoughts, is that in order for the, the change, evolution, transformation, whatever big word you want to put on it, in order for it to happen... It requires people who have traditionally been kept quiet to use their voices. Yeah, we need to make our inner voice our outside voice. Like you said, it is it's time for us to really, you know, make that commitment to our truth and not and not push it aside and use our inner voice to speak in the world and to make it our outside voice and to, you know, really move into this place where if we if we see something. It's wrong as we stand up for it and we stand by it. And, um, and that takes some mindfulness that takes some dedication. Sometimes it's, it's usually not easier to follow your intuition. That's a pretty much a general statement. (laughs) When you follow your intuition, it's sometimes scary. It sometimes takes work. Sometimes it gets you out of your comfort zone. Sometimes, you know, you're nervous. You, you, you have to like confront people. There's so many different things about intuition that calls us to do these things that aren't always comfortable, but, um, but it's our duty to do them. Because at the end of the day, the, the only real duty that we have is our duty to ourself. And if we follow through with that, then everything else falls into place because our self is going to guide us to the best way to deal with everything that comes along in our life. Um, what a fantastic way to, to start to, to wrap this up. I always like to, to, bring it home to something practical because people listening may be thinking like, okay, this is a big topic. All right. I've got an intuition. I kind of knew that already. Um, What's the first, and I'll be the one to go on the record to hear that say that there are all kinds of ways to access your intuition. And I'm, I'm like 10 out of 10 on this book. Like just get it, read it, click the link in the show notes, go over to Kim's website. Um, just get it. That's all. That's all I have to say about that. And if you've Thank ever, you so oh yeah, my heart. 
<laughs> I mean, I'm not the the arbiter of all that is good in self-help and personal development, but I it is kind of my role because I've experienced the really hard stuff. And um, yeah. that's why I read the books before people come on. So because I love a good framework because a good framework works. And if you want a framework for understanding your intuition, it's, it's here. So, so there's that. And then from the point of view of somebody who might be listening and feeling like this is not accessible for them right now, what would you, would you say, you know, like they have four kids home who aren't in school and they don't have time to like wash their hair, let alone read a whole book. Um, What, or the business has crumbled and they're trying to figure out what they're going to do. Right. Like, yeah. Oh, like here's, let's just have some empathy for all, everyone. And, and I, you know, who hasn't been affected really, who is like, Oh crap, I got to do this too. You're talking about personal responsibility and, and this is what's going to change the world. Um, Where can people start? What's the best, what would be one kind and empathetic thing that we could leave people with? Well, um, you know, let me just say in response to that, uh, first of all, that it is, it doesn't matter where you are on this journey, your intuition will take you to where you need to go next, because we are all in different places. And whether you're going through hardship right now, or whether you're just lost, or whether you just want to know yourself better, or be happier, or find more peace, in your intuition is going to is there for you, and it's going to guide you. So really this book, I wrote it so that it's, it's in little nuggets. It's not something that you, that's a heavy read that you have to like sit down and dedicate a lot of time. If you only have maybe 15 minutes before bed at night, you can do My chapters are small, little, you can do a bit by bit that you can even sneak away into your bathroom. If you're a busy mom or busy parent, you can sneak away in the bathroom and do some of the practices and no one will even know. So I, I lived that life and I, and I know that some, it can be so hard to, you know, make that time. And if you're someone who's struggling right now with your business, and this has been hard on so many businesses, all, I mean, in, in every way, you know, this, this virus, we're all trying to figure out ways to pay the bills and to, and put food on our table. So if we're thinking about that, your intuition can be so helpful in guiding you to that next step to how do you pivot? How do you create something new? Where do you look for a new job? Or, you know, how can you reinvent yourself? There's so many different ways that our intuition can serve us during these, these troubled times. So even taking just a little bit of time each day, just to slow down and just listen to those shower moments when things come in and, and don't disregard those little moments of inspiration or ideas that pop in your head out of nowhere, because they could be coming from a really sacred place that has your best interest in mind. Mm. I was having a conversation uh, a day or two ago and it was with someone who, who I, uh, I actively work on my intuition with. And the, the thing that I took away from, from that conversation was that often the things that we are quick to negate in our heads or see as either too similar to right now or what's going on um, are the, are where the wisdom lies. And and we might be waiting for something that is like out there, dramatic, far, seems far removed. And, and it comes down to you're being shown the next step and, exactly. and maybe not the whole big picture, but the, the next yes. step. 
Yes. And that is so important. I'm glad you brought that up because we do have to look at That's what your intuition does. It takes you to the next step. It's not going to take you to, to the end game. It's not taking you straight to the end. It's just going to take you step by step. So even if the next step isn't necessarily what you think it should be, if it's not like your dream job isn't your next step, well, the next step might be the step that's going to take you to that step. So you just have to trust. You have to get in that place of trust with your intuition mm-hmm. and take those baby steps forward. If you fall down, just get back up and keep following it. Well, Kim, thank you so much for engaging, for for just being able to have the the, the bigger conversation that that um, that's always the goal here, and um, for sharing your your work, the way that you're doing it, and 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 how it's aligning with you know leadership um, going forward. Um, just before we, we wrap up a couple minutes on, on your own leadership, what, what are, what are you doing with, as the insight leader, um, (laughs) 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 um, what, where do you see your, your role now with this, with this work moving forward and, and what are you doing uh, in the world as, as the leader that you are? Yeah. Uh, and you know, that's something that's always changing. And I'm, I'm, you know, this, having this book come out now has really opened my eyes to some of the possibilities. I, I founded a school called Intuition Lab, where I work with students to help them to develop their intuition. And we work together in groups and help each other. So, so this is a, this has been really, um, you know, I worked through a lot of the, the stuff you read in the book, the exercise and the practices have come out of Intuition Lab, where we, I sort of set on a mission to hack intuition. That was like my, my initial goal. I wanted to figure it all out. And, and so much of this came out of that work. Um, but really expanding that role and really seeing, you know, what, you know, what are the boundaries of intuition? You know, where can it go next? I, I always seem to find myself at that threshold of, as an insight leader, as you know, at that threshold of the unknown, uh, because that's the space of intuition. If you're someone who loves intuition, you've got to, you've got to live in that space. So I, I don't know what's ahead <laughs> because I'm just, I'm myself, I'm just following my own intuition step by step and I'm really just open to the possibilities to see where this is all leading. Well, I love that it's becoming um, part of, I was thinking, while I was reading it, I was thinking, wow, like this is a book for, for now, at least in my world, you know, and, and the company I keep this, I'm like, ah, yes, let's, let's bring this forward and amplify. And I had this thought like, wow, and hats off to all the people out there who wrote books about intuition 15 to 20 years ago. And then you show, and that was one of the first things that you said when, when you gave some of your backdrop that you are one of those people, it must be rewarding. Well, that was really innovative. Yeah. At that time, when I wrote that book about the psychic workshop, which was about, you know, really just intuition and, and learning to use your intuition. It was, it was groundbreaking at that time that people could develop their intuition. That wasn't an accepted thought when that book came out. Uh, you know, people like I got so much flack. I was working in tech at the time and people just like were so freaked out. Like it wasn't the mainstream thing. Now you can't throw a stick without hearing someone talk about intuition. 
That wasn't the case 15 years ago. So, so I think that was the space. That was the innovation space at that time. Yeah, you can actually develop intuition. It's not something you have to be born with superpowers. And, and so that became the zeitgeist. That became the commonplace. And now, you know, I'm here sort of trying to bring this out to the unusual suspects, to, to the businesses, to the artists, to the everyday person. And mm-hmm. most of the people that, that come to, into my classes at Intuition Lab, I love it. They're, they're just everyday people. You know, they're not all like yoga teachers and, and, and you know, people mm-hmm. who are spiritual seekers. They're just regular everyday people who want to understand themselves or want to do their job better or remove creative blocks. And, and so, so for me, I, I, I'm so excited to see this becoming more mainstream and, and, to, and really trickling down to touch everybody. And that's exciting. And so for anyone who works in the field or the associated fields like 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 I do, now is the time to to keep going. Now is not the time to yes. to to abandon. Um, because it takes many, many voices, many, many teachers, many, many insights. Um, if it was a simple path, we'd all be there already, you know. So uh, yes. so so thank you. Well, it's been a delight and a pleasure to meet you. So nice. So great. Thank you so much for having me on. And this has been a really wonderful conversation. uh, And I really appreciate you spreading the good word. Thanks so much for being here. I know you've got a ton of choice in the podcast universe. If you would like to connect with me and our guests online, you'll find links in the show notes. And if you're looking to have more conscious conversations in your life and connect with conscious leaders who are also discerning seekers, be sure to check out the Free Your Inner Guru leadership community. We meet live online twice a month and carry on the discussion from the podcast in our private discourse community. If you're new to discourse, it's an app, kind of like being on social media, but without all the trolls, fighting and intrusive ads. All the information is available on the newly updated freeyourinnerguru.com. If you'd like to help spread the word, please give the podcast a five-star review and share it with your friends. Free Your Inner Guru is researched, produced, edited, written, and posted by your host, Laura Tucker. And if you'd like to support the podcast, you can become a supporting member or join the leadership community at patreon.com forward slash freeyourinnerguru. Until next time, I'm Laura Tucker, signing off for Free Your Inner Guru.